No matter what you're a fan of, Texas has the trip for you. There's the trip to Texas and the trip. Or maybe you're the kind of fan who'd prefer a trip to Texas or a trip. Either way, go to TravelTexas.com slash get your own for the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. When I was couch surfing my way around the world playing squash, I always looked for the cheapest fare. It didn't matter who the airline was. Swiss Air, British Airways to American, doesn't matter. I took it. At one point, I was trying to leave South America to get to Europe, and the cheapest flight I could find was on the national airline for Morocco called Royal Air Maroc. It was about me and 20 other people on a 747, which was a little bit odd because there should be about 300 more people on that plane. And I remember someone in the crew had a birthday, so we were just hanging out in the back, enjoying our time. It was a bizarre experience. It worked out fine. But we had to stop in Morocco on the way to get to Europe. And I ended up making friends with someone in the airport as we're waiting for this flight. And they invite me to go on a personal vacation that they were having with their friends. And I had some other friends in the area. And so we said, why not? So I ended up on a bus trip through the desert, missed the connection with the Moroccan airline to get to Barcelona and had to wind my way back through buses, trains and planes and automobiles. All of that was awesome. I don't regret it for a second, but it would be nice if I could just say, yo, you know what? I actually can use miles for this next flight. I don't have to uh, walk, (laughs) just kidding, or something like that. Fast forward about a year from the Moroccan desert adventure, and I'm sitting back in San Francisco. Life is fine. I'm in a park, and someone was talking about the points guy. And they said, Mike, you know, you have this when to jump project. The points guy's perfect. So I was like, is that the guy's name? Is he the Mr. Points guy? Turns out it's not. His name is Brian Kelly. And I looked him up and I tweeted at him immediately because Brian's story was very jump worthy. I remember I went to the bathroom and when I came back, three minutes after tweeting at Brian, he had already replied. He was up to share his jump. And what I love about Brian and his story is that it's A, very colorful, and B, it's honest. The guy started as a fashion buyer in New York City to an HR manager to blogger before he became a frequent flyer connoisseur and extraordinaire of how you use points and miles and cards. And he's just real about it. He doesn't seem to care what people think about him. He's telling it as it is. He even shared in his interview with me that the biggest fear he had was to be mediocre in life. And that helped push him to the next step, the next step. And what started out as a 10-buck domain name has morphed into this global community with followers around the world and has made Brian this godfather of reward travel. And I must say, I think that's pretty cool. I think you'll really enjoy the conversation and who knows, pick up some tips from Brian that will help you avoid being (laughs) stranded in the desert in Morocco trying to find a cheap flight. You know, people know Brian Kelly, the points guy from the social media and from the the website and, and the work you do around digital marketing and travel. But if we go all the way back, it seems like there was a couple moments in time or an experience specifically where it was like, oh, wait, I really like this whole travel thing. And it started pretty young, right? Yeah. I mean, I think it started mostly with, it first started with computers. I was always obsessed at like age seven, getting the huge hulking IBM computer that my aunt gave us, I think it was 1990, and teaching myself DOS. And then I asked for Prodigy internet 
for Christmas. And I remember so vividly hooking that up by myself in the basement at midnight. I was like eight or nine years old at that point and just being obsessed with technology and communicating. Like connecting to the internet was like such a crazy moment. Like I remember seeing there was like a bulletin board with people writing in from Russia. And I'm like, wow, this is unbelievable. So in the mid nineties, my dad, uh, got a job where he had to work from home and he didn't know how to type or use a computer. So I was booking his travel as this, you know, 10 year old <laughs> travel agent. And that's kind of really where it started to come together. So. And you, I think you were telling me when we were doing the interview for the book, you know, Orlando was, was a really big destination for you back in the day. And then there was this international trip that seemed to blow your mind. Yeah. So I, my dad had all these frequent flyer miles and he's like, Brian, you know, let's go somewhere. And he's, you know, like Florida, right? That's the go-to, you know, we grew up outside of Philly. We didn't want to do the Jersey Shore, which is where everyone goes. But I had just read The Firm by John Grisham. And a large portion of it took place in the Cayman Islands, which sounded so amazing. Blue water, high-flying finance and law. Like, it, it was just this, like, magical destination. I was like, let's go to Grand Cayman. So my dad's like, all right, so we'll fly to Phoenix and go to Grand Canyon. I'm like, no, no, no. Like, we're going. <laughs> my dad's like, where, where's Grand Cayman? Um, so in the end, we, I ended up researching. I booked my mom and I through Miami using his AA miles. And then my dad and three siblings flew nonstop out of Philly. We rented a house on VRBO, which had just launched, which... Uh, this is 1996. So I would like was one of the first Travelocity. My Travelocity username is still like four letters. Um, and we rented the house on VRBO from a doctor in New Jersey. It was the most amazing trip. You know, it cost us less than what it would have cost to go to the Jersey Shore. And for, from that point on, year after year, my dad and I, in, so I call him OTPG, the original points guy. His <laughs> name is also Brian Kelly. He's the third son of three boys and a girl. I'm the same. So my dad is like, he's my hero. Um, so it was like a bonding thing. So I, I kind of fused the computer knowledge and uh, points and travel, love of travel. And so, yeah, that's really where it all began. And so you come back from that trip and you kind of, it sounds like there's two ideas. You love computers and now you love travel. A lot of people have those two mm-hmm. passions. And it was in college, I think, where you started a travel blog. What yeah. was going through your well, head to kind of get that going? Well, the other thing was that I also became to love was writing. So I, in elementary school, you know, we'd have an assignment, write a short story, right? And most people would write like a page. I, I have one in my office now. It was a novel by New York Times bestselling author Brian Kelly. And it was like this whole vivid. So really, when I look now, people are like, oh, it's so random. You studied Spanish and now you're running a blog, but it's really not about the college major, which I think we all realize now, but it really is like my passions in life were writing and computers and travel. So it's really not that crazy. Oh yeah. It all comes together. Yeah. But, um, but certainly after college, so in college, I didn't start blogging in college. I was student body president at the university of Pittsburgh and, um, I grew up outside of Philly. I went to college in Pittsburgh and Southwest came into the Philly market and it was like 50 bucks. And this was, I, I started for my freshman year, uh, when 9-11 happened, that, that happened the first week of school. So, you know, the airfares were dropped. It was like $40 to fly round trip to, and U.S. Airways had met. So all of a sudden, um, I ended up uh, getting U.S. Airways gold status because I was student body president traveling to conferences. And then I studied in Madrid. Um, and that's when it hit me. I, you know, I'm like a college student with zero income and I'm elite level flying first class all the time. You know, rewards were really, really rich back then, you know, four Southwest round trips and you got a free flight. So I would go to like Tucson to visit friends or Vegas. It was the value of the reward was more than what I was paying to get it. So that was when I was like, wow, this can be maximized. Um, 
but you know, I wanted. I always knew I wanted to move to New York, so I uh, turned down a bunch of jobs in pharmaceutical sales and in Pittsburgh, which would have been lucrative. But I was like, I got to get to New York. It's. I. I actually was born in Long Island. My parents are New Yorkers with the thick accents, and I just always knew I needed to be in New York. So I, I took the first job I could get, which was the executive training program of Lord & Taylor, <laughs> which I knew nothing about retail or fashion, being sure. like a, basically a frat guy from the University of Pittsburgh. Um, and But I got in, and they put me in the cosmetics buying office, Clinique, Chanel, NARS. I didn't know what any of these things were, but you quickly learn. Like, it doesn't – you don't need to be a makeup specialist to understand retail. And, you know, so it was good. I, I went through the training program. I learned a lot of, you know, business basics and analytics. And But I knew qu- very early on that – you know, coming in Monday mornings and getting the stack, you know, that we get these buying reports of sales from the week prior printed. So you'd have to kind of go through which lipstick and what color and identify trends. And, you know, it was good, but it was just, oh, my God, I could not could not do that. That wasn't the next 40 nah, years. That was not the next 40 years. Let me be clear. I was actually way broke. I actually took a payday loan when I was at Lord & Taylor. I was so broke and I refused to ask my parents for money. I was, you know, making 45000 a year, which I thought I was going to be rich. But in New York City... <laughs> that you know one paycheck was rent and then the other paycheck couldn't even pay my bills and then it was just I was sinking uh, I would walk to work from Soho to 39th and 5th because I didn't want to spend the 90 bucks on a subway pass I'd like would we had to wear a suit every day I like wouldn't dry clean my suits my boss actually once gave me a three thousand dollar like salary raise I was like Brian like you have to like buy new clothes and like dry clean your clothes. <laughs> what motivated, I wasn't even thinking about travel. Yeah. I was thinking about survival. I mean, yeah. truly like it was, uh, I was living in a crazy loft with, I didn't even have my own room. Like yeah. I was trying to say, you know, so it was like, it was actually pretty, like it was just hustle. Like I would take gigs on Craigslist. I was like a, a, a wine uh, expert at an Indian couples dating event for 200 bucks. I lied and said I was... <laughs> And then I was opening up the bottle and no a cork way. broke. Yeah. What I mean, was the wine of choice that you'd recommend? You know, my friend, my best friend growing up lived on a vineyard. So I was like, oh, I qualify as wine expert. <laughs> I mean, I Googled before I went into it. I mean, I'm like, I just remember being like, what am I doing? But it was like, I got to hustle because I need that 300 bucks. Like, so it was survival mode up until that point. And yeah. so I wasn't even traveling. You know, I almost left New York. I, I, I could see I was on the verge of like burning out. Right. Because wow. it was really, really stressful. And then you get the Morgan Stanley job. And then the Morgan the Stanley cab. job. This is in 06, 07. You know, the markets were raging. All my friends in finance were making tons of money. And I was like, well, if I do HR, which I like, might as well do it for a bank where I'm going to get four weeks of paid vacation. You know, everyone at investment banks, whether you're HR or a banker, the benefits are all the same, basically. And, and people in HR still get bonuses where they used to. And even after I got to Morgan Stanley, I mean, it was then the great you know, recession. <laughs> you got a great job. You're on Wall Street, you know, in a generation above ours. Yeah. That was kind of it. That's like, it. Yeah. Y- everything will be there. And then you get there and things start falling Right. Apart. And you see, and I think one of the crystal clear moments, like there were a lot of lifers, you know, people who gave their whole careers to Morgan Stanley. And then all the, I mean, so many of those people got wiped out and, you know, and I just saw that, like how crushed they were. Like they were proud Morgan Stanley lifers. And then, you know, just watching them get escorted out of the building with, you know, where some 20 something HR kid had to walk this person who had given their whole life at Morgan, you know, corporate America, look, it, it's amazing, but it's, it's, it's not perfect. Right. Yeah. And that's what I really was there. like during layoffs, you know, my team of eight went down to me at one point. So I was covering all of North America. I mean, traveling nonstop, but that's where the silver lining <laughs> came because I actually wanted to travel more. I, I volunteered to open up our office in Montreal 
uh, because I wanted to get out of New York. It was toxic environment. Um, so I'm like basically living in the W Montreal, raking in tons of points. I was the only one on the team, but that meant I paid for all the career fairs on my credit card. Points were raining from up above. Um, and that's when I really got back into points. And what year was this? This was 08, 09, 2010. I don't even think I was out of credit card debt at that point. I mean, I'm still like struggling at that point and there was no end in sight right so it was a pretty bleak feeling to think like oh god i still have to wait years before i get really get financial freedom like i couldn't even think about buying an apartment or so that's when i was just like this 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 can't work it was just i felt stuck and that's such a great point to kind of jump in on this okay you're stuck there and you still had some stuff going with the rewards piling up and the the points were coming down. Yep. And it seems like that was kind of where the first versions of the points guy got started. Yep. Can you talk about where that Yeah, I remember from? being out to dinner with friends and I was like, I I need to make money. Period. Full, the hustle factor came in. I was just like, I I have to. Like, so, you know, I started thinking, what can I, what am I good at, right? So I was like, I'm going to help people like a concierge. If you want to, if you're like gay and want to move to New York and you like need to know, like I, I can set up a service to help people because I've got, you know, I, I know how to live in New York. Then I was like, that's not really going to work. Um, but then, and it, it was my, my ex-boyfriend that was like, Brian, like you're amazing with our points. We would fly to the Seychelles. We were flying British Airways first class with Madonna. Uh, he's like, you're amazing at points. And everyone comes up to you at work. You're the points guy at work, right? We're, and it's true. People like line up at my cubicle, like even my managing directors. No hey, way. Hey, Brian, I'm going to buy this grill using my Amex points. And I'm like, no. You know, like, would you rather have a $500 grill or three first class tickets to France? So they're like, wow, when you put it that way, yeah, let, teach me how to use the points. So so that's why, um, that's when it first started. But it wasn't a blog. So it was, I got the domain in 09. I sat on it for a year. As you do when you get a you know domain, you know, and I'm like, idea. so I got the pointsguy.com, and I sat for a full year, uh, and then April of 2010, I googled like how to create a form, so people could type in the points that they had. You, it would email me, I would read it, and I would reply back if I could help you, and if I could, it would be fifty dollars a ticket, and so that's where it all started. So from April, May, and June of 2010, the pointsguy.com was just a shell website, but it started to grow. I, you know, I emailed, hustled, emailed all my friends and their friends and put it on Facebook and did a newsletter. And slowly but surely, I started to have all these clients. I was making a couple hundred bucks, a thousand bucks my first month and a thousand bucks cash. It goes a long way. It goes a long way. It was <laughs> nice. Yeah. You're not recommending wine at Indian restaurants. No, anymore. exactly. <laughs> yeah. And it was, I loved doing it. And then I decided to make a uh, consulting service because people were like, I actually just want to talk to you for an hour, right? Let's talk through all the programs and credit cards. So um, it was kind of like I was a phone sex operator for points. <laughs> but my dad sat me down. I was like, Brian, this is not sustainable. Like you can't, you're not going to clone more Brian's. You can't run a call center. Like this is knowledge that you've gleaned over years. Uh, he's like, you need to learn how to make money in your sleep. And he's like, it's advertising and you should create a website. Blogging in 2010 was pretty popular at that point. There were a couple other travel blogs. They would update twice a week maybe. And I would remember going and clicking refresh, refresh. I want more content. So friend, a former coworker who I loved at Morgan, she was my work wife. She's like her husband, her real husband was a uh, WordPress developer. And she's like, come to Staten Island and you need to start blogging. Like you have to start blogging and he come over. I'm going to make an Italian meal. I took the ferry and then the Staten Island train to their house and I ate amazing meatballs and he created my first WordPress site with when we picked the theme out. I didn't know what SEO was. I didn't know anything. And he's like, you don't need to worry about SEO tactics. You're brilliant. You have a point of view. Just blog every single day. 
And I was like, that's totally true because the other sites were not blogging every day. And so I started and just hustled within a couple months. I mean, people started reading it. I remember going to a cocktail party that fall where someone was like, you're the points guy. And that was the moment where I was like, oh my God, this is taking on a life of its own. I would come home from work and then work six hours booking award tickets for people and then write my blog posts at night and then go work full-time at Morgan Stanley, which um, in the end combust. I mean, it, in, in the end it worked out, but I mean, I lost my relationship of four years I was in. I mean, in, in it wasn't a, pretty. It wasn't pretty, but um, but I loved it. I mean, yeah. and that's the thing I would stay up and I, and I remember thinking I've got, you know, 10,000 monthly readers at that point. I was like, I've got a little stadium of people that are waiting to hear from me. And I'm like, I'm going to do it. No, like hustle, like no questions asked. I'm going to, and I would always figure out what to write about. Every single day. Every single day. It's so cliche, but people say, you know, serve a need that you that you yeah. see, right? And so you're building this around your passion, but also around something that's not being serviced, right? Yeah. I remember a brain surgeon was one of my clients, and he's like, I have no idea about points. And I was like, this is crazy. This like, guy's a brain this surgeon. This guy's a brain surgeon, and he doesn't know, but he has the points, right? And people want the points, and people want to travel, and travel is expensive and confusing. It's like, so I can come in here and just try to at least simplify it for people. People want to be told what to do. Yeah. We, you know, we have over 15,000 blog posts now are questions because people type in, what do I do with my MX points? Right. Like, and these are the ways you can do yeah. it. Um, yeah. And what, what is, <clears throat> for, for those not to get too technical on your expertise, but what is the one thing you tell people? The, the, the average person who's like, oh, this is overwhelming. I would say it's, it is overwhelming, but I mean, points are these, this currency. How cool is this? It's a currency that you have that you can make more valuable with the knowledge that you impart. The more you inform yourself, the more value you'll get back, the more you'll travel. Like, yes, it can be annoying, but in the confusion, like those who take the time to learn about it have tremendous, you know, incredible rewards, right? I've never had a single reader email me and be like, I, ha I got all these points and then couldn't use them. It just doesn't happen. Our readers take the most insane trips. It's not this is not snake oil peddling. This is not like, you know, weird marketing, like get, you know, this is real. Like just get, be smart about your credit, about what you spend your points on and educate yourself. To, you know, it's not the obvious redemptions that are the most valuable. It's the partners. It's the awards that don't show up online. It's learning how to search for awards. And it's really not that hard, right? And learning how to talk to phone agents, being nice to people, being nice, like all these things pay off, right? There was one conversation with a New York Times reporter where it started to boil up almost a trifecta of, of lucky so, collisions. So there was definitely a, uh, a storm brewing. Yeah. Uh, so June of 2010 was my first blog post. By that December, I had about 20,000, 30,000 readers and growing. Um, and then Seth Kugel, the former frugal traveler for the New York Times, had emailed me. And I was in February. He had emailed me in early January and said, I'd heard about this points guy. You know, I'm all for frugal traveler. It's a budget traveler. And I think points are stupid and people should just buy the cheapest ticket. And that's what we should do. And I'm so I wrote, so I e emailed him right back. And I just said, like, with all due respect, that's the most myopic, false. Like, I will prove to you how points can save everyone, including budget travelers. It's not just for first class. Like, So I met with him for like three hours in New York. I actually took him to a restaurant where we would get dining points. It was participated in. <laughs> so, I, so over this three-hour session, he ended up booking a, a ticket to Brazil because he was, goes back to Porto Brazil all the time. And he and he booked his award ticket and just was like, oh my God, you just saved me $1,000. And so he ended up writing this insanely 
glowing, not glowing. It, he actually screenshotted thepointsguy.com and wrote like the points guy, this is it. This is the real deal. And this was New York times just so happened at the same time. I think I maybe just started putting Google AdSense to make, I was making a hundred or 200 a month. At the same time, a friend from college, um, who'd been meaning to meet up with me forever. I kind of blew him off. And so finally he's like, Brian, no, you're an idiot. You must meet me. Uh, I work in marketing and you're stupid. And I was like, whatever. So I met him for like a glass of like wine in Times Square, like after work. And he worked for Linkshare, uh, which is, you know, one of the top affiliate marketing companies in the world. And he was like, do you understand that bloggers, you know, fashion bloggers get paid on, you know, referring people to Macy's, right? You can link to products in a blog. He goes, you're talking about credit cards and you're sending people to credit card companies directly. You are missing out on a gold mine. And I was like, oh, tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> Another glass of wine. Yeah, yeah. Like, and he basically, and I was like, they would never want me. I'm small potatoes. And he's like, no, they, like Chase knows about you. And I was just like, wow. But once again, I never was like the real dirty tactics. Like it was all above board. They're like, you're educating people on Chase's products in ways that they can't. Chase can't dig into the level of detail and value that you can. But he got me fast tracked into Chase and I got all these Chase links. And the first blog post, I remember I just put the HTML link in the blog post and published it. And he calls me, he's like, what are you doing? You have to like hyperlink. You can't just put the <laughs> HTML code like in the middle of a post. And yeah. I didn't know what a banner was. I mean, yeah. there was a gold rush. I think that day I made $30,000 because people were like, this is nuts. And they would send it to their friends and friends. So that, that's when I learned about like content marketing that's valuable, right? So people were emailing me, thanking me for their whole family signing up for the card. And the New York Times post came out the same day. So all of a sudden I got this huge traffic surge. I was in the shower when the numbers started. To hit. I didn't know how much I would make. I didn't even know if I would be paid because it was like, back then it took three months for the sales to process. So I had no money, but on paper I was making a lot of money. I was calculating all the clicks that people were doing. And I was like, I think I'm making a lot of money. And I just, I'm like, I think I just made my salary, my yearly salary in a month, I think. Well, it's not in my bank account, oh but my allegedly, gosh. my parents are like, what? And that's so amazing is that you're still working during yeah. this time. And you're in, in the book, you're in this, the phase of jumping that we call, at some point, let yourself be lucky. Yeah. And that what you just described, the, the Times you know, article uh, in the interview re, uh, with the reporter on Frugal Travel, the community that you've been growing from just writing about something you love. Mm -hmm. And then you've got this affiliate program through the former friend or the friend from college who reaches out and mm -hmm. teaches you this. It comes together at this point where you're like, okay, yeah. now I can, I can jump. But none of that would have happened just by themselves, right? No. And even, I think actually people ask, what's your biggest regret? So I quit my job in April, but I actually ended up staying till June. I think my biggest regret, and it is what it is. I don't, I don't live in regret, but I, I, I shouldn't have stayed. Like I knew at that point it was done. And yes, I didn't have the money in my bank account, but I knew one other blogger and he was making money. He was doing it a couple months before me. And I, I sat him down at a conference. I go, Rick, I think I'm making a lot of money. He goes, Brian, oh my God, I made like $500,000 over the last five months or something like that. So we sat there in this courtyard Marriott and at this frequent flyer conference, none of the other bloggers knew. And we sat there like two giddy kids, like what the, like, so we were, it's like this brotherhood, the two of us yeah. bonded. And so I knew the money would come, but, um, but I was still a little bit nervous. My mom was like, what are you going to do about health benefits? I'm like, I'll pay for them. Right. So we, I still to this day joke about it. She'll laugh as we're like, you know, yeah. on safari in Tanzania and, you know, we're doing all these amazing things. My parents travel with me a lot now. Um, 
I'll be like, what am I going to do about health benefits, mom? <laughs> She's like, shut up. I yeah, know. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. But it is, it is, it is a fear. And I yeah. think parents want their you know, kids to be safe. And there's yeah. a reality of jumps. And I was, work. I was about to get vice president that year. Probably I had actually moved into the business unit. I was working for the technology division doing learning and development and running the training program. But, uh, so I, I said I'd stay till June because that's when the training program ended. But I mean, I was making, you know, blogging all day at my cubicle. I was like, this is so stupid. Like, and I, and then I, my compensation wasn't great. And then I was just brazen because I was like, oh, you're not going to pay me? Well, I'm going to blog. Yeah. Like, I'm like just fully. <laughs> I'm writing. Like, I'm not even hiding. So it was str- it was crazy. It was just living in this weird world where I'm in a cubicle. And I, I will still have stress dreams to this day that I'm like back at Morgan Stanley, like in a cubicle. But I'm like, wait, why am I back at Morgan Stanley? Like, I have money. Like, wait, what? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's still like, because it, it was so weird, like running this really successful business. And then, you know, once the money started coming, then I my brain just went in a million directions. I'm going to hire writers. I'm going to blow this out. Yeah. So while you're still working, while I'm still in a cubicle and I'm like, you know, I remember in a training session, there was an amazing flight deal to Europe for 150 bucks. So I'm actually in a podium in front of the 200 trainees. I'm like, Oh, the PowerPoint's not working. And I'm like, (laughs) <laughs> getting the blog post up to publish it because I'm, I'm competitive and the other blogs had it up, you know. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's um, right to take over your life. Almost. Oh, yeah. But, you it, know, that's I think that's some of the silver lining, right, is that you couldn't have gone from University of Pittsburgh to starting the points guy. No way. What What would you tell people that are listening and their jump might be in something else, starting a bakery or becoming a musician? Why is it important to put in the time and to, to do that nights and weekends until you get there? I mean, I, I don't know the statistics, but the first idea you have is probably not it, right? Like most business ideas, it takes a while, I think, to perfect, at least it did for me, like what you're actually good at doing, right? Was I the best like award booker? Like, no, that really, and it wasn't really my passion. I'm a salesperson, right? Like I am, I love being in front of people. So actually doing one-on-one phone consultations probably wasn't the best idea for me, but it, it, until you try stuff, you don't know. So that's why I think like being afraid to fail at certain things um, and recognize when you're not great at something. And then, but when you have that moment where you're like, this is it, then just go full throttle. You go. And you will get lucky in some ways that you yeah, didn't know, right? Totally. I don't think you would have known what would have happened. You know? Never in a million, million years. Do you ever wake up, because I was I was on the Instagram of yours the other day, and you were on a boat off the coast of the Hamptons eating fried chicken. <laughs> and I was like, what world does this guy live in? Do you ever sit back and you're like, man, this is this is this is what happens when you jump? And what would you tell people that are that are thinking about what their steps well, are? Well, it's been an unbelievable ride. So so June of 2011, I quit, and then by in May of 2012, I ended up selling the business to publicly traded company Bankrate, yeah. which uh, has been amazing. We built the business. You know, we've got yeah. 20 employees, and I think the biggest moment was this year we moved into our full floor office in Flatiron. You know, we've got the dogs running around the office. Our traffic's growing. People love it. Um, so, yeah, I pinched myself. My friends, you know, it's surreal to me how it's grown so much. Being able to take my parents and be in the middle of the Serengeti and technically still working, right? Like, yeah. I'm still, it's um, it's surreal. I'm, you know, doing a lot of the charity work, yeah, working yeah. with Nobel Peace Prize winners. So we yeah. use points to fly the world's best Nobel Peace Prize winners to kids. So we do these youth conferences. Those are the most surreal moments where I'm like, this... And I'm with the Betty Williams, who helped broker peace in Northern Ireland, this amazing woman. I'm with her in Ghana with 500 kids. That wouldn't be happening if the points go. We do a pretty substantial cash donation and millions of miles to fly these people around the world. So whoever thought points would uh, provide such a platform. And if you, and, and I guess to sign off for those who are, you know, who, who are hearing your story and getting a little bit of that, that truer, kind of more candid picture – 
you know, what do you say to those um, those same folks that are in the hustle of their cubicle and, and still going to work with that thing they want to do? What can what can they do from here? Just do it. I think there's a fine balance between testing a lot of different things. Like, don't be a you know jack of all trades, master of none. Right. See, yeah. a lot of my friends fail where they have too many ideas and they're doing a half-assed job at a lot of them, yeah. and then getting discouraged. Right. I think, and millennials get easily get discouraged. I think. I mean, technically, I am one, although I'm like a cusper. But like, you know. Hardcore millennials who want to make a huge impact in the world day one, it's not going to happen. Like, roll up your sleeves. Like, hustle. You know, I I think hustle is lost on a lot of people. And it's not about the most, like, sophisticated business model. um, Business. I've never had a business plan. Um, Even to this day. I mean, of course, I look at trends and I'm growing my business in smarter ways than I was before. But it's not about planning everything. You know, like, be malleable. But, you know, work your ass off. It's a great point to end on. <laughs> so for Brian's full story that's coming out uh, in my book, which I really appreciate you giving kind of the, the inside scoop um, on that jump into the Point Sky, uh, you can read the book. You can go to thepointsky.com. Not only are they doing things for travelers around the world, but really giving back in a, in a meaningful way. And uh, and I think from 10,000 followers to four or five million visitors through your platform each month. Give uh, or take. Give or take. <laughs> You really are you're going for it. Thank you so much for joining, Brian, and uh, I look forward to following up. Thanks for having me, and safe travels. Want to get more involved in the When to Jump community? Visit whentojump.com for more inspiring stories. Plus, you'll have the chance to sign up for our newsletter, stay updated on our live events, and learn more about our Jump Ambassador program that kicks off in early 2018. We've heard from our listeners about the jumps that they're making every day across the world. Here's what we heard. Hey there, it's Megan Parker, co-founder of Within Meditation. My jump happened just this year when I left Dropbox to open up a drop-in guided meditation studio in San Francisco's financial district. I wanted more community, well-being, and belonging in my own life. And I also wanted a place where meditation didn't feel so intimidating a place where I could take my friends to, and a place where I could find myself alongside of others. Making a jump is risky and uncertain and vulnerable, but it's nothing compared to waking up every day and wondering, is this it? Or will I ever live that passionate, adventure-filled life that I really want? I finally realized that nobody was gonna give me a permission slip to make the jump or say yes to what I wanted in life besides me. The fear of failing has yet to go away, but I've realized that I can be fearful and do it anyway. If you've got a jump to share, send a voice note describing your jump to when to jump podcast at macmillan.com. That's when to jump podcast, all one word, at macmillan, M-A-C-M-I-L-L-A-N.com. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at when to jump. I'm Mike Lewis, and I'll see you next week. When you visit a state as big and diverse as Texas, there are a million different trips you can take. Let's say you've got an appetite for whitewater kayaking. You can get your own. So this is why they call it Devil's River. Trip to Texas. Or maybe you have an actual appetite. I'll take a pound of brisket, six ribs, uh, three links of sausage, and a piece of pecan pie. Trip to Texas. Go to TravelTexas.com slash get your own for the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours.